Hey guys, and welcome to the Movement Docs Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Mike. And we're just two guys who want to help students and clinicians grow in the field of rehab. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, and welcome to episode eight of the Movement Docs podcast. Today, Jake and I are going to be discussing the eight books that make you think about things a little bit differently. Why eight, do you ask? Because it's episode eight. You like what we did there? Eh? Eh? I, I like it. Good. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> this will probably end up being a series as we move forward with guests, bringing in their perspectives and totally rad books. But for today, it's just Jake and I. So these are different books that have struck us uh, as we're moving forward in this journey that we call life. And I think one of the big things to keep in mind as you're listening is that there's no like ranking to these books. They're in a completely arbitrary order. Mike and I literally just like, we just talked about it and we threw a bunch of stuff on a Google doc. And so it's like whoever typed, you know, first or next or whatever. Um, and then also, I don't know that you can rank these. This is just my two cents mm -hmm. because Who's just, I mean, we're, we're all going to have different favorite books or books that struck us differently than other people. Um, but, you know, if, if I have a favorite book and I recommend it to Mike and he gets nothing out of it, that's just his interpretation of it, right? Whereas, you know, maybe I recommend something that, or I say just I've read a book, but it wasn't super great. And then he reads it and he gets so much more out of it than I did because he thought about it a little bit differently. And so I, th I think there's a, that's, probably the beauty of the written word is that it's, it's very subjective, like writing, poetry, like all this stuff is, is very subjective. It's what you get out of it. It's how you can connect to the, how connect what the author is saying to the world or how you're interpreting what they're saying. Um, and so, I mean, I, I love reading. I don't do it as much as I should. Um, thank you, NFL internship <laughs> and three grad programs. <laughs> but, uh, I'm really excited to talk about this stuff with Mike because um, we both enjoy reading and we both kind of nerd out over over some of these books. So, yeah. So that should be fun. Well, uh, let's get started. We'll kick us off here. Uh, so one of the books that came to mind immediately when we started talking about this uh, as podcast ideas and things that we wanted to talk about was a book called Still Life with Woodpecker. It's by uh, Tom Robbins. And so this book kind of stuck with me for a lot of different reasons. And if you read it, the first page is almost is is very insane. Um, uh, it's just very very eclectic and all over the place. Uh, but there are some really good themes that kind of go along with this. And I was reading this book during a really uncertain time in my life. You know, I had just had a breakup. I'd been together with this girl for about two years, um, and I had just graduated undergrad. And I was working on my master's degree, and I was debating about moving across the country. wasn't really sure who I was anymore. Uh, needed to have some time to find myself, introspect, and reflect on what I wanted to do and where I was going. And so. This book really taught me that uh, our mindset directly impacts our experience. So our perception is really dictated by that mentality. You know, we can choose to love, we can choose happiness, uh, or, you know, we can let the darkness in and we can have that, you know, dragon kind of rule our life. And so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in that regard if you kind of let that darkness in and let it take you over. And so a couple of the quotes that kind of come to mind when I think about this book is, uh, you know, we are our own dragons as well as our own heroes. And sometimes we have to rescue ourselves from ourselves. 
And so, you know, the idea is, you know, you can choose that happiness. You can, you can choose to be positive uh, and that, that can help shape your perspective in the future. Dude, I, I, so. I really like that quote. Uh, obviously, I've, I have not read this book. I've heard Mike talk about it quite a bit. And so it's on my list of things to read. But I, I really like that um, that kind of focuses on, you know, you being in control of your life. Um, kind of shifting away from like an external locus of control and like, you know, making it, putting it all in your hands. And sometimes like you're your own worst enemy, um, mm -hmm. like that song by Lit. Um, <laughs> There's pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> it, it always comes in some, some shape or fashion. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like that. And I think it almost kind of throws back to uh, the last episode when we talked about like non-zero days. Mm -hmm. And like past, present, present, and future you. Yeah. And somehow like past you can have made like horrible mistakes. You know, past you can be the dragon. But you've got to recognize that, you know, you need to forgive yourself and, and conquer that and deal with whatever it is that's bothering you and, and rescue yourself from yourself. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And it was, it was a great, it was a great, you know, that was almost uh, invigorating is not the right word. Uh you know, I'm trying to say like freeing, uh, enlightening. Oh, may I don't know what the word is, uh, but it, it was. It took some of that pressure off, and it said, "Okay, I don't, I don't have to be, uh, I don't have to be sad. I don't have to be depressed anymore. I can, I can choose to be, to be happy and, and continue to move forward in that regard." So that was pretty valuable. Uh, in regards to to other quotes and things that that come through this book, it, it also relating to you know being able to choose love is is everything a part is a part of it. And so it's just understanding that in every scenario and everything, we're all related and we're all on this rock together. Uh, and so we need to be able to, to love each other as if we're all part of a, that big family. And that's important as well. Yeah, I think that, uh, that almost ties back into, what was it? Was it Phil's closing remarks about how we all have a responsibility to, like, to make this world a better place? Yeah. Right? I mean, we're all living in it. And even just like, you know, like little, little actions, little things can make big ripples. Um, exactly. I yeah. I feel like at some point on this podcast, we're just going to end up like speaking exclusively in like quotes and sayings. <laughs> we'll have to get, uh, we'll have to get Jason LePage on here. Cause he said he was a big quote guy. I, remember. I feel like, well, I feel like he's going to love this episode cause there's going to be a lot more quotes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> But yes, so Still Life of the Woodpecker, uh, kind of a crazy book, written very interestingly, uh, but there are a lot of good things that you can glean from that, and that's why it made our list today. Uh, is that, am I up now? Do I have to go? Yeah, go for it. Okay. <laughs> so um, my first book that uh, I propose is actually a graphic novel. Hmm. And have you, have you read this one? You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The Watchmen. Yeah, I think I've, I've I don't know if I've read it. I've seen the movie, but I don't think I've read the comic or the, the graphic novel. So the graphic novel is probably my favorite literary experience that I've ever had. Okay. And part of that is because Alan Moore is just a fantastic like um, writer for the comic book or graphic novel like uh, art form. 
And because uh, he, he wrote Watchmen, he wrote V for Vendetta, he did League of Extraordinary, Extraordinary Gentlemen. So like wow. right there, let, let's, those are three pretty big heavy hitters mm-hmm. as well as a bunch of other stuff that that's, doesn't have as much popularity because it wasn't, I don't think it was turned into a movie like those three things were. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But for those of you that aren't familiar with The Watchmen, it, it's basically a superhero comic book series. Um, like a short, short release comic book series. And it, it's almost like a group of like anti-heroes that are superheroes. Okay. And it, he does a fantastic job of like, I guess showing like the alternative perspective of like, you know, the impact of heroes in this world, the things that you don't see, like, uh, you know, how their actions affect the rest of society, you know, destruction, things like that. Um, and how the heroes in, in his uh, universe are like flawed in their own way, right? A lot of times we're, I mean, if you look at like the traditional Superman of, of old, he was like perfect in every way, right? Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. comic books have become more gritty and, you know, with you know, like Spider-Man, teenaged angst and um, Batman having his own kind of like, personal demons and stuff like that. We see more, more of like a human side to these, like these heroes in, in, in the comics. Um, but the reason the Watchmen really, really struck out to me or struck me when I was reading it in high school was the character of Dr. Manhattan, right? That's the blue naked okay. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, and he is really interesting to me because he's so powerful that he no longer like, is a part of society, right? Okay. And it's almost symbolized, like throughout the comics, you see him have like less and less clothing. And to me, that was a big um, symbolism of like, he's no longer conforming to like societal norms because he's like, he's he's outside of society. And there's this big, um, there's a large part of one of the, the chapters where he's mm-hmm. on Mars, right? And he has okay. this like huge, like super metaphysical introspective debate about like basically like life itself and how he perceives life and, and, um, and time. And it's, it's just so interesting because it, it literally like exploded my mind because <laughs> he, he doesn't, he doesn't see time as like a, a linear thing. Okay. Um, he, it's all, it's like a circle. It's like a continuous flow. Like everything that's, um, happening has happened and will happen and is happening all at the same time. Okay. And so like that concept, which did you see the movie arrival? I haven't. No. Okay. Well that, that has explores like time in a similar fashion as well, but it's just like that whole concept was just so different. Um, that it, that's one of the reasons why it struck me. And so I think, you know, like trying to tie this into like the PT world, we talk mm-hmm. about metacognition a lot, right? Like thinking about how you think about things. Sure. And I think for me, that was the first experience I had where I had to like really think about, it made me, it, I'm using the word think a lot. I think I've had <laughs> a little bit too much to think tonight. Um, <laughs> but it made me really think about how I looked at the world and how I perceived, you know, my relationship with society and where I was in it and how I perceive like a, these abstract concepts such as time. And so that's why, that's why it's on, on the list for me. And, um, you know, there's some, 
like I don't know that there's like super inspirational quotes that you can draw from this because it's kind of like a dark um, novel. Mm. Um, but one of them that I think is really interesting is this. It's uh, there's a notion I'd like to see buried: the ordinary person. Ridiculous. There is no ordinary <laughs> person. Oh wow, that's deep. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, no. like I said, the the graphic novel itself is super deep. There's even like a comic book within the comic book that like reflects oh the actions of what's going on. It's and it's just like peppered with like um, song songs and like song quotes from like from that era when it was written and like when it was supposed mm-hmm. to be uh, taking place. Mm-hmm. So like Simon and Garfunkel, um, "Hello Darkness, My Old Friend." Sure. It's in there. Uh, times there are changing by Bob Dylan. That's in there. A lot of oh, like wow. contemporary like musical works. It's it's just fantastic, and um, mm-hmm. that's that's why it's in there for me. Yeah, I mean, you said you said a lot of really great things, and it's it's really cool to to hear your perspective on, uh, you know, like how that shaped you, especially during a time where you were kind of like growing and like uh, you know, figuring out who you were as a person. My angsty um, young years. That's right. Uh, raging teenage <laughs> hormones. <laughs> take a step back and realize that, uh, you know, my hormones didn't decide my future. <laughs> to to quote the uh, the movie The Iron Giant, uh, that did you ever see the movie The Iron Giant? I did one of his yeah. greatest roles. He should have gotten an Oscar for that movie. He really should have. Uh, but you know, Hogarth when uh, when the Iron Giant was in like full weapons mode and was about to like destroy the world. And, and he goes up to him and he says, you are who you choose to be, now choose. And then he chooses to, to emulate Superman and save the day. Uh, you know, that's what it makes me think of. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I love that, Jake. I think, I think you said a lot of really great things. And even, even about the, uh, the characters in the book not being flawless, you know, that they did, they, they did have, uh, you know, their, their own quirks and, and some of the downfalls to them as well. Uh, you know, it's 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 realistic in terms of how people interact with each other in the world in general. You know, you can choose to be a good person uh, and there are going to be days where you're not so good of a person. But, you know, if we tie it back to last episode with non-zero days, you can forgive and you can continue to move forward. So that's that's some pretty profound things from that graphic novel there. I, I guess the other quote that really sticks out to me is always the one that's like the tagline for that that novel. And that's the whole who watches the watchman. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Like, um, and for me, a lot of times it becomes more real in my world. Um, you know, working on athletes and working on people, it's like who who therapizes the therapists, <laughs> right? Like when when do we get to get worked on? It's a good, good thought. And I mean, you can interchange anything into that specific quote, but I think it, you know, again, it's something that makes you think. Um, yeah. about all sorts of stuff, whether it's like the political system or government, uh, your profession, yourself. There's a lot of good nuggets in, in The Watchmen. So if you ever yeah. want to borrow it, it's in my room. I'll let you borrow it. Yeah, I would love to. I think that would be a, a good one for some paradigm shifts. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm think i going to punt it back over to you. What's your next book? Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is a book called The Tao of Pooh. And no, it is not uh, the bodily function. It's the cute... Uh, teddy bear or bear type creature known as Winnie the Pooh. And so it ties in 
the philosophy of Taoism with Winnie the Pooh. Um, and so it's just an interesting book to take, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, that like children's character and, and add it into some of the, the perspectives that relate to uh, Winnie or that, wow, perspectives that relate to uh, Taoism as well. And so uh, there's a couple of really good quotes about this. And uh, one of my favorites from this is, while Eeyore frets and Piglet hesitates and Rabbit calculates and Owl pontificates, Pooh just is. And I think there's something really profound to be state, said about that. You know, it's, it's, a, it's about living in the present. It's about, uh, you know, experiencing things as they are uh, and kind of accepting things as they are and just kind of being in that moment and, and that experience. You know, uh, we tend to get pretty anxious when we look towards the future and think about all the things that we have to do or, or things that we need to we need to get done. And, and sometimes we can get pretty depressed if we look towards the past and we think about all the things that we regret or that we, you know, things that we didn't, chances that we didn't take. Uh, and so it's important to just keep yourself into in the moment and be able to experience things as they are, because uh, that tends to be where, where we're the happiest. And so that's a lot of what that book taught me was that. You know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm sitting here and I, I know you've, you've, uh, you've read that quote to me before, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> I feel like like right now I'm just kind of like analyzing it. And when I think back on like all the Winnie the Pooh stuff that, you know, I've ever like watched, um, you know, the show, the movies, it's interesting because I feel like almost each one of those characters embodies like a different like emotional state or like um, mindset almost. Mm-hmm. Like Eeyore is very clearly like depression and sadness, right? Mm-hmm. Rabbit is neurotic. Piglet <laughs> is afraid. Mm-hmm. Owl is is wise, but it's almost like he's like too book smart and sometimes doesn't always have the practical knowledge. Mm-hmm. Tigger is just like energy, just like it's like uh, Grace, my uncle's dog, or my cousin's dog that my uncle's babysitting for an extended period of time. Um, mm-hmm. He just like wants to have fun and is just full of energy, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes like that can be detrimental and it ends up causing destruction in like Rabbit's Garden. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Gopher on the, is almost like a counter to Owl where he's like super, super um, like practical and he builds all this stuff. But sometimes he's not the most uh, thoughtful, doesn't have mm-hmm. lax forethought. Mm-hmm. But then we circle back to Pooh and Pooh's just like, Pooh's just chill AF. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's just, you know, he, he, he might get his head stuck in a honey jar or whatever, but everything just kind of rolls off him and he just, mm-hmm. he just is. And he ends up being like this, as weird as it, it's, it seems for me as I'm like analyzing my discussion of like a childhood uh, <laughs> cartoon, like I think it's, it's, there was a reason why he's the center of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, this is like super meta, but like, I love <laughs> it. Well, he, I, I think if we are going to go that meta route, you know, he, he is the center of the show and, and he is the center. You know what I mean? If we're going to go that way, you know, it's all about finding you, your center and, and being, and, uh, he is the, he is the proverbial center. <laughs> I think my like frontal cortex just blew up. If that's even part <laughs> of the brain. I think that's a thing. <laughs> my, my limbic system is no longer in existence. 
<laughs> it's outside of space time and I, it's just not there anymore. Once again, I'm perceiving time as a circular construct. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's it was a really profound book. Uh, you know, and if you if we talk about, you know, just like living in the moment and, and all that kind of stuff too, another quote that comes to mind is uh Pooh is asking Piglet, they're talking to each other. He says, What day is it, Piglet? Why, it's today, Pooh. Oh, good. My favorite day. You know, and that's just like another thing. You know, like every day is Pooh's favorite day. You know, it's that optimism and, and just being a part of it. And it's pretty profound. It was a really good book and a, a really awesome learning experience. So I thank my uh, my cousin Christy for for uh, sending that my way and saying, hey, you need to read this. It's good. Dude, he's like the, Pooh is like the ultimate present me. <laughs> like I, I don't know that he he thinks about future me or past me but he's like the perfect present me yeah i'd agree with that wholeheartedly that's so good but yeah that was that was my uh my book there um jake you want to take the next one uh yeah so <clears throat> the next section of today's podcast um, Jake will be talking about books that he read in middle school. <laughs> so my first one of my middle school series is The Alchemist by, uh, is it Paulo Coelho? Is that, I don't know if I'm yeah. pronouncing that correctly. I'll look it up. Um, but this one is very interesting because it's a very short book and it's almost like a, like a fable, I guess. Well, there's no, I don't think there's talking animals in it, but it's like a short story and it follows this, this like young shepherd boy, um, kind of like along his journey, his per, what they call his personal legend. And so he meets a cast of very like interesting characters throughout the way. And everyone kind of like helps him along his path and gives him like, you know, these little nuggets of knowledge to, to let him discover himself and his journey and life and love and all of that stuff. Um, and it's interesting because we had this discussion before that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm choosing these books I read in middle school. I don't think that I was able to really process them at the time, hmm. but like looking back and realizing like why they still have such a profound impact on me is why, you know, obviously why they're on this book list. Um, and I've got a couple quotes from the alchemist that I think that you will like. Okay. So the kind of the whole crux of the book, right, is you're trying to discover your own, what what's called in the book, your personal legend, right? So like you're basically mm -hmm. your dream, what you want to do with life. Um, and so when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. Oh, wow. Um, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i think my frontal cortex just exploded <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's like a really interesting concept you know i mean again it's a little bit like metaphysical like kind of almost like guru-y or whatever right like you see it on pinterest <clears throat> but i think if you when you kind of live that way you put that that mindset in, into action right you're mm -hmm. living toward your end goal um, non-zero days, micro patients, or sorry, macro patients, micro speed, all, the, all that stuff that we continually talk about. Um, mm -hmm. I think you will find that the more you're driven towards a certain thing, 
people are more willing to help you or kind of like help you along your path. Oh yeah. And you know, when you, when you said that quote, what came to mind too was, um, the, the energy that you put out gets reciprocated back to you. You know, if you, if you live your, if you live your life in such a way as, you know, practicing gratitude and being kind to one another, uh, I think that's Ellen DeGeneres that says, be kind to one another, um, or, or just, you know, putting that positive energy out there, it, it comes back to you in waves and, you know, you work towards your goals every day and you try to be the best person that you can be every day. Uh, and, and you'll find that you will have success and things will, will work out for you. Uh, so that's, that's profound. That's a profound quote, Jake. We got two more for you. Ready? All right. The first one, because I feel like this suit really applies to our podcast and kind of what we're about. The first one is when we love, we always strive to become better than we are. When we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too. Oh man. That's good. <laughs> so I'm like trying to like formulate words, but you're like awestrucking me with some of these quotes. <laughs> so. uh, and then the, the last one is um, the secret of life though is to fall seven times and get up eight. Okay. And that one also is very good. See, The Alchemist is just like, that should be a book that everyone needs to read. And it's like a book that you can read over and over and over again at different points in your life and get something out of it in different times in your life as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like super deep. Uh, I mean, I know it's like a really super popular book that um, translated like all across the world. Um, and I think that's why I had to read it in middle school because mm -hmm. it, you know, it's cultural importance, but now I'm understanding like the messages that were inside of it all along a little bit more. Um, yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you, you fill yourself with love and you put the love out there and it ultimately helps to, to bring up everyone around you. And, and that's, that's huge. And, and, and even just the, the ideas and the mentality of persistence, you know, uh, not everything is, is going to go your way the first time or the second time, maybe even the fifth time or the 10th time, but you, you keep at what you're passionate about and you keep at what, you know, you, you believe your purpose is and, and eventually you'll find that success. And there's some, there's some real value in those quotes that you just said. Yeah. So, um, stay tuned in a couple minutes and we'll get to part two of Jake's middle school book recommendations. Um, but Mike, I think it's your turn. Okay. Uh, this is the part of the episode where, where Mike gets super, super meta and describes a book that is very much philosophical in many ways. And so, uh, this book is the Wins wisdom of insecurity by Alan Watts. And like I said, it's a very meta book. It's, it's, it's out there, but that's okay. Uh, cause we're out there too. And so a lot of this book talks about, uh, again, being in the moment, uh, you know, you're happiest when you're in that moment, but the moment that you think about being in the moment, you're no longer in the moment. <laughs> so what that means is when you, when you're in it, when you're in that present moment, when you're at your center, you are feeling, you are experiencing, uh, and, and you're not necessarily thinking. Uh, the minute that you start thinking about being in the moment, you're already out of it. And so whether you call that a flow state that an athlete's in, you know, you ask like some of those Olympic athletes that are able to, to perform at high levels, 
uh, they say, yeah, I just kind of like my mind kind of shut down. I was kind of just, you know, in this moment, I was able to do this skill, do all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, I, I came out of it at the end and, and I was successful. That has something to do with it as well. And so it's, it's really about focusing on trying to be in that present moment and just experiencing things as they are, not thinking about experiencing those things or trying to get in those things. It's just those things that happen. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's the main philosophy behind the book. And it talks about being okay with, with being uncertain or being insecure. You know, uh, we tend to spend a lot of our time trying to avoid things that are stressful or painful. And the minute that we accept them for what they are, we're able to, to work through them. You know, uh, one quote from this book is the only way to make sense out of change is to plunge into it, move with it and join the dance. And so, you know, that could be like the dare to be bad uh, or, or any of those kind of situations. You know, there is a lot of uncertainty out there, but the only way that we can move forward and continue to, to be better people and progress is to plunge into that uncertainty head on and move with it and join the dance with it. I don't know if you could hear me, but I was I was being speechless. <laughs> um, I, I I'm trying to formulate words again. I feel like my limbic system is just like melting into my um, my fourth ventricle. Uh, <laughs> but I, I really I really really like that, uh, and I, I like the the connection to like just those moments where you don't think about things, you just do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really mm -hmm. easy, especially if you've played sports, I feel like we've all been there. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like the movie. Um, uh, what's click with Adam Sandler where he gets like the remote and he can like fast forward mm -hmm. and he like ends up like fast forwarding through large parts of his life. Not that this is the same thing, but it's like that ability to just kind of go on autopilot and let your instincts and everything like, you know, take over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you're not thinking about how you're performing. You're just, you're just doing it. You know, you're just there. You're in, in that, in that moment and you're just, you're just doing it. Yeah. It's like the, it's the Shia LaBeouf gif. Do it. <laughs> just, just do, do it. it. You know, it's funny because. I don't know what your reaction is the first time you saw that, but mine was of, I just like burst out laughing, but now thinking about it and thinking about the things that we're talking about, he actually was kind of onto something there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, um, he's up there with like Kanye West. He's a poet of our generation. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're slaying the pop culture theme today. <laughs> we are all over pop culture. <laughs> Oh, this is perfect. <laughs> and like we're we're jumping around from a lot of different subsets. Yes, we are. Yeah. Bookless for the win. Um, but yeah, <laughs> another another quote uh, that kind of comes from this book too. Again, has to do with that like security and insecurity thing, and I guess the wisdom that comes along with insecurity. Hence the name of the book. Um, but it says desire for security and the fear of insecurity are the same thing. To hold your breath is to lose your breath. A society based on the quest for security is nothing but a breath retention contest in which everyone is as taut as a drum and as purple as a beat. So it's that whole concept of, 
you know, like the idea of being able to, to conserve and hold your breath because you're worried about losing your breath. So you hold that breath, but the act of holding that breath, eventually you're going to have to breathe and you're going to lose that breath. And so it's, it's being okay with being insecure uh, and, and kind of rolling with that. And I just thought that was kind of a profound statement. Yep. Time is a circle. That's right. <laughs> uh, shout out to David and Cal and uh, Riley who all appreciated the movie Arrival as much as I did and no longer see perceive time as a linear construct. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I can't even meta with you right now. This is just so... There's so much good, but I, I, can't, I can't even like say something. It's I, uh, it's a feeling. <laughs> I'm just trying to be in the moment right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Jake, let's uh, let's hear your your uh, your other book from middle school. Okay, uh, part two of Jake's middle school literary journey is actually a book I read in eighth grade, and that would be Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, right? For those of you that haven't read the book, it's like, oh, he's just spouting a lower literary classic. Oh, it's a book about, you know, Dr. Frankenstein. The book, like, is so much different than what we in pop culture have is like the Frankenstein, like monster movie, right? Mm -hmm. The book is like, it's all about like perception and like looking for acceptance and love. Um, because it's a, if I remember my eighth grade literature class correctly, the novel Frankenstein is like a, what they call like a picture frame book where there's like a story within a story within a story. You know, it's kind of like Inception. Mm. Oh, okay. It's only a couple dream levels deep. Oh, okay. And so like the book kind of starts off, um, well, I haven't read it in a while, so I may butcher this a little bit, but the the focus of the story is not on Dr. Frankenstein, right? It's not on uh, creating you know, this, this creature, this life that is a component to it. But in my opinion, the crux of the story is how the monster Frankenstein's monster like deals with life. Right. Because he realizes that he's this like artificial creation and that he doesn't fit into society Hmm. and he's trying to find his way and he's trying to find, you know, love and happiness and be complete. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that concept of like, you know, what you see on the outside, you know, the whole, like, don't judge a book by its cover, but that sure. even, even something that we think as like, you know, ugly, hideous, non-beneficial in whatever capacity that we're talking about in life, that if you give it the chance and you like try to see and understand what it is, it might mm-hmm. actually be something way better than what you expect. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's just it's just so good. I mean, there's a reason it's a literary classic. Again, there's a reason I was supposed to read it in middle school. Did I understand <laughs> it at the time? No, I was just trying to do my homework assignment. But mm-hmm. looking back, like of all the books that I've read, this is one that really, really struck me on, again, like perception, how I perceive the world, how I perceive people, how I perceive myself, how I think about how I think. Um, yeah. So... That's, that's why. That's, um, that's huge. Yeah. Let me see if I can find a Frankenstein quote here real quick. Okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Well, I think I think you said a lot of really good things here too, Jake. Uh, you know, from the monsters perspective, and and again, not judging books by their cover. I think it's funny that we're talking about books, and that was nice. That was a nice little pun yeah, there. Not shout judging out, the book by shout its out cover. Books, shout out literature. Let's go. <laughs> um, but I think I think you can also apply this to athletic training, physical therapy, any kind of healthcare profession, uh, because there are a lot of times and situations when you're working with patients who are obviously in pain, uh, but also have a lot of other things that are going on in their life that may not be readily apparent to you. And so, you know, having that understanding that everyone is experiencing their world a little bit differently than you are and getting out of your own head and your own biases about uh, what you expect to happen uh, and really meeting that person where they are and trying to understand where they're coming from uh, is ultimately going to, one, help you make a better human connection and to ultimately help facilitate that recovery process. So I think, you know, that's, it's a really, really great book uh, in terms of just understanding uh, that, that connection aspect and, and trying to be outside of your own uh, head. I think, I think too, there's a, a large component of, of why I really liked it was there's almost like this duality to the monster, right? Where he mm-hmm. is this being that is so fearful and capable of destruction and damage and fear and anger. But at the mm-hmm. same time, he's like this gentle, loving creature that just wants acceptance. And yeah. I think that speaks to just being human, right? Like we have all sorts of emotional fluctuations and we sometimes can live that duality where like we tend to lash out at others because there's something that's awry with within ourselves. Um, and there's a couple of quotes, uh, thank you, Google, that I just found. Um, <laughs> I think like really kind of speak to that. Um, one of them is beware for I am fearless and therefore powerful. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one, I'm going to scroll down. <laughs> there is love in me, like the likes of which you've never seen. There is a rage oh, in wow. me, the likes of which should never escape. If I am not satisfied in the one, I will indulge the other. Uh, and so okay. I think that really speaks to, again, like almost that dual, that dual nature of like who we can be on the inside. Right? If we're mm-hmm. not, if we're not able to love and like share good experiences, we can tend to lash out at others and be a destructive force. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you do, you have that perspective, uh, you know, that, that charge of yourself to, to choose love. But also from another person's perspective, you know, you need to be to be willing to, to give love. Uh, and, you know, if we go back to our podcast that we had with Phil talking about positivity, it's, you know, it's again, it's that charge. And it's also, you know, you never underestimate the impact that you can have when you're interacting with somebody. So I think that's that's really valuable. Dude, this one's kind of meta too. If our impulses were confined to hunger, thirst and desire, we might be nearly free. But now we are moved by every wind that blows and a chance word or scene that word uh, may convey to us. Hmm. Okay. We could probably extrapolate a lot of stuff about, you know, today's culture and social media and all that. But I think what we should really do is just uh, go to your next book. (laughs) Yeah, we could we could probably talk about Frankenstein for a whole other podcast too. I think there's there's a lot of really good things about. I that. I think we would both have to reread that book. 
Yeah, I think so because too. it's it's not fresh enough in my mind to get like I, I understand like what we talked about like you know I can we can we can talk about like why it's a good book to read but if we're gonna have like a true discussion of it and like really pull out some meaningful quotes mm-hmm. I, I think we'd both probably need to reread that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so this this next book that uh, I put down here is something that I was listening to on audiobook as I was driving back home. And so my home is in Connecticut uh, and that's about anywhere between like six, eight hours of drive. And so I was listening to it as I was traveling back and forth and uh, it's called outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. This, this is a Malcolm Gladwell book. It is a Malcolm Gladwell I, book. So side note, I, I mm-hmm. forget what book I have of him, but he's a really, really interesting guy and he writes a bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, uh, and I remember we had to read one of his books that I can't remember the name of in my media studies class in college, and um, I, I just I again I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, the content that we talked about from him I just remember being super meaningful. So I just wanted to say that if you see a book by him, you should probably read it. Yeah, he's he's got some good stuff out there. There's uh, his book called The Tipping That's Point. That's what think. it was. It was that book. That, okay. And that one's, that one's pretty good too. That's all about like, uh, uh, how things, how things change. Like there's a certain level of, what is it? Do you remember exactly how that, how that went? I'm trying to remember. No, it's been too long. Know. And again, it was like a fleeting thing in a class, but I just remember like, I yeah. remember pulling something for a paper I wrote in that class. I just don't remember what mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. That one, I think it's on my, it's on my list of books to read from him. But the tipping point was one, yeah. Uh, this book, this book is uh, called Outliers, and so the whole the whole concept of this was uh, he he was taking a look at all of the really successful people in the world and trying to understand how they got to where they got um, in in different avenues, environments, whether that be professional athletes or uh, you know like uh, people that are really big in, in tech companies and all of that. And his his conclusion was that it wasn't necessarily all about the amount of hustle that you have. Uh, that's definitely a component, but it's also about the environment that you're in and the right time that you're in. So it's almost like that success is where opportunity meets preparation kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, he, he puts these examples in this book talking about uh, like all these industry tech leaders, like, uh, you know, like Bill Gates and a few of the other ones They're They were all born within three years of each other, you know? And so at the time that they were born, uh, you know, they reached a certain age when the technology like phase of, of, of what we know now was starting to boom. And so when they were born, when that time came, they were old enough to understand the potential for this t- technology and, and ways to fit in. But they were still young enough not to be tied down and already have like jobs and, and have a family and all this kind of stuff. And so it just talks about, you know, being in the right moment uh, the right point in time to take advantage of those situations. So it had, your environment may have as much to do with your hustle as in terms of success. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. And then also he talked about uh, professional hockey players. And I don't know, you know, like what the stats are, this or, or, or how accurate they are, but it was just an interesting perspective. But he said that most of the professional hockey players that for the ones that he looked at were, were all born within the same like two to three month time period. And so I guess the way that the school was set up, because they were born in a certain time period, uh, whatever month, uh, they they ended up being the older kids in their class. And so because they were the older kids in their class, 
they're generally more developed physically. And so they perform just a little bit better than some of their classmates. Um, and because they perform just a little bit better than their classmates, they had more opportunities uh, to, to get into club teams and, and work with trainers. And because they had more opportunities to work with trainers and be on these club teams, they got astronomically better than their, their peers that, that didn't have those opportunities. And because they had those opportunities to work with, you know, they got astronomically better and they work with the club teams and stuff, they had more opportunities to pursue this in college. And because they had those opportunities in college, they got even better and they got, you know, the chances to work with the professional teams. And so he looked at all these professional hockey players and he noticed that they were all born like at the same time period. And if they were, you know, somebody was born a little bit later or a little bit earlier from that time period, they didn't have the same opportunities that those those professional players did. And so they never ended up making it to the professional route. And so I thought that was just kind of interesting because it's it's all about that environment and and not as lit. I mean, obviously, it's important that you hustle and work hard, but it's also like uh, when you were born or like that, that environment there. So I thought that was interesting. So what you're saying is that if we want our children to be professional hockey players, we need to plan out um, when they're going to be conceived slash born. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But it's just, it just kind of like changed my perspective. Cause I always thought that, you know, uh, a lot of it matters. Obviously, it matters how hard you work and, and the, the amount of energy and time that you put into something. But I think it also it also matters like what environment that you're in. And so that was just kind of kind of interesting uh, that a lot of the successful people had, you know, were born either in the same time period or they had similar environments. And so that led to those opportunities. And I think that that kind of I think I think it speaks to regardless of the hand that you're dealt in life how you respond to those things and how you uh, choose to take advantage of your opportunities is yeah. where you're going to be able to like capitalize on that success. Right. Because it's true. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in these cases, you almost had to be born at a specific time in a specific year, you know, in a specific mm -hmm. area to be able to take advantage of those opportunities to get the most out of it. Right. But mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't be successful. Like, right in whatever other avenues of life that you're, you're trying to be successful in. You just need mm -hmm. to take advantage of, of those opportunities. Yeah. And so that, that quote, you know, really rings true, you know, success is where opportunity meets preparation, you know, put yourself in the best pop possible situation to be in. So when those opportunities arrive or arise, you're able to take advantage of them. Yeah. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. All right, Jake, you want to bring us home with the uh, the final book on this list? Uh, yeah, so this this is no longer a middle school book. Um, this is actually <laughs> one that I read in high school. And uh, that would be probably, well, let's just go with the first book in the series. Um, okay. But Odd Thomas by Dean mm. Koontz. And okay. so I, I've always been a big Dean Koontz fan. I love, he's probably my favorite author of like just like novels and books that I can just crush because I always just enjoy his writing style and mm -hmm. he's kind of like a pseudo horror y kind of guy not quite mm -hmm. like Stephen King a lot of his stuff is a little bit more like lighthearted and isn't as like well I don't know how else to describe it I mean, he does all sorts of stuff from like kind of horror books to like thrillers, like psychological. Th I guess it'd be more psychological thrillers. Mm -hmm. um, 
but Odd Thomas's a uh, fantastic book. And it's a really interesting premise too because uh, the character Odd is a fry cook in Pico Mundo, California, I think. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also interesting because Pico Mundo means small world. <laughs> and so I think that that from the get-go, like that's kind of a, a meaningful thing to know throughout the book series. But he has this ability where he he basically sees dead people, right? Mm-hmm. He's like the kid in Sixth Sense, Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> okay. Uh, except he kind of like uses, he doesn't, he, he sees them and they can't speak to him, but they can communicate in other ways, right? So like one of his best friends is Elvis. Elvis is dead, but his ghost for whatever <laughs> reason just chills with Odd Thomas all the time. <laughs> but um, because like these like, spirits and ghosts and um what have you are are left in the world a lot of times from like violent deaths or like unsolved crimes they'll seek him out and try to get him to help them like you know achieve freedom from this world or like you know achieve like their their final rest and so he ends up being like this like kind of goofy like existentialist minimalist uh like crime solver for the supernatural (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he just has a very interesting, like take on life. Right. I think one of the coolest things about him and we, we've had, we nerded out over this before because I I found out when I told you (laughs) this would be on the list that it was a book that you really enjoyed. And one of the things that we talked about before was he just has this innate sense of direction. Right. Yeah. Like when, especially when he's trying to solve these like crimes and murders or whatever, whatever's going on, he doesn't know where he's supposed to go, right? He has no clue mm-hmm. like where he's supposed to be, what's going to happen. He just literally like starts walking. <laughs> and what ends up happening is because he's just like in the moment and like trying to experience like what he is supposed to experience, he, end, he ends up just finding where he's supposed to be. He ends up being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then is able to go through these crazy adventures and, and you know, stop all the evil in the world. And, uh, <laughs> there's one quote that I absolutely love from the book, but I cannot find it on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it was actually my senior quote in high school. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I might butcher it a little bit, but it's something along the lines of how uh, he's no longer afraid of heights because he strives for like the highest of high hmm. and he's no longer afraid of the dark because um when we were when we're born we come from the darkest of places hmm. and so i mean you can interpret that in a lot of different ways it can be like a spiritual thing where you you know you're striving to make it to heaven or you're striving to make it to the afterlife and before hmm. you were born you weren't in existence you were nothing Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, that that's just always struck me because it, yeah. again, it just changes your perspective. It makes you think about stuff a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So kind of bring, it brings it all home. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just a super great book and it, it's like, it's fun. It's a, a good book series to like get lost into just for pleasure reading. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, 
did you have anything like specifically that you uh, you enjoyed about that book? I know. Well, I, yeah, you you talked a lot about um, the uh, the just being able to like being in the right place at the right time and how he was just kind of like ambling about and was able to find that. And I really love that. You know, it's it talks about like a lot of the other stuff that we talked about and already today, um, but just the fact that rather than trying to find the right place, he just he just was, he just did it. Um, and he just kind of like walked along and did his thing and, and then came into the right, the right place at the right time. And I think that that kind of speaks a lot to, you know, some of the things that, that we try to do sometimes. I think we almost try too hard and get anxious about, uh, you know, things have to go this way. I want to make sure that things go this way and things happen. But, you know, if you, if you let go and, and let things happen, put your energy towards things like he still put energy in by walking, but, but he wasn't like trying forcefully trying to, to, to find something or forcing the issue. Uh, he let things evolve as they, as they were meant to evolve and he, he got to the right place. I think that's, that's pretty valuable for, for everyday life too. And there's just like, a, I mean, there's so many, like you really, I really would really encourage you to read this book as well as all the other ones um, for those listeners out there, because there's just like so many interesting quotes and like perspectives on life and like mm-hmm. love and all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. I have two here that I, I like and just kind of on the topic of like being in the right place at the right time and kind of always moving forward. This mm-hmm. one is uh, too much mystery is merely an annoyance. Too much adventure <laughs> is exhausting and a little terror goes a long way. <laughs> and then the other one is... Um, I am 20 years old to a worldwide adult. I'm little more than a child to any child. However, I'm old enough to be distrusted, to be excluded forever from the magical community of the short and beardless. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, and it's interesting. Cause like in, you know, in the book, he's kind of like this 20 something, like, you know, not super successful, just kind of like seemingly aimlessly wandering person. And I feel like that's easy mm-hmm. to, as a, you know, a young 20 something who's trying to find my place in the world, I definitely find that I can identify with that type of person. Um, yeah, for sure. I also have a beard, so. This is true. You do have a beard. It's very, it's very nice. It's very voluptuous. I am, I'm jealous of your beard. Because I can only grow a mustache, a little bit on the bottom of the chin, and then a bunch of like weird peach fuzz that goes in between everything else. And so it's terrible. So I definitely have beard envy of you, Jake. So you are you the tall and beardless? Are yeah. you excluding me from that magical community? <laughs> I guess so. Well, I can never exclude you. That that just isn't possible. <laughs> But yeah, so I think that that wraps up our book list. I mean, there's tons of like good stuff in all these books. And mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. a book that you read in middle school that maybe you need to go back and read or, you know, it's a random book series or it's like a super, super meta book like uh, The Wisdom of Insecurity or The Tao of Pooh. Um, mm-hmm. There's always something to be learned I mean, that goes for any time, anytime you read the written word, I think it's just Mm. such a beautiful form of expression and art and you can always gain something from what you read. Yeah. 
I couldn't agree with that more, Jake. So I guess I guess this is thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're probably going to do more of these book episodes like periodically. Um, mm-hmm. and partly because like, you know, we're always trying to, to grow and to read more and to be more. And so as we mm-hmm. find more, more books or we go, Oh, Hey, I remember we should have talked about this one. Um, mm-hmm. there will certainly be more, more discussions. Yeah, to be had. for sure. So thanks guys. We really appreciate you tuning in for this week. Uh, episode eight is crazy. We're getting up there. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns or anything that you'd like to, uh, just, to, to message us with, we're more than happy to listen and, uh, it would be excited actually. Uh, and so <laughs> you can email us at tmdmovementdocs at gmail.com and thanks again.